Hi everyone, welcome back to Integrated and welcome back to the final episode of the season. Hello everyone, on this episode we will be talking about the long-awaited, I feel, for me anyways, uh, direct provision episode. Now, so far we have just been talking to you about our background and the kind of lifestyle that we live in Albania and the mentality of the people basically and it's all just to lead up to this episode as to why people immigrate and the legal side of immigration and of course the end which is drug provision where most refugees do end up. Now because Albania is not in the EU of course as we've said before you have to have a visa and many immigrants don't so they do come here illegally. We will get to that in a while but at first we're going to address the corruption in Albania and the reason why people move out of Albania. So the first reason as to why people move out is because of the political corruption in Albania. Now, every time a political party is switched and voted, people are at risk of losing their jobs, which is just the extreme, I suppose. Like, it certainly makes people uncertain of their future because they don't know which political party is going to get chosen. And depending on which one wins, they will lose their jobs because the people who voted for the party, they now get to have the jobs of the people who didn't, if you get what I mean, which is just insane. And like a lot of people in the workplace like claim that they're for the party that has been chosen when they probably aren't and they're lying. And like, it's just extremely political when it comes to the jobs, which is why There's no many... stability yeah. at all. So like, I mean, you know, if you follow a certain party, you're going to get whatever you need, like, once that party yeah. comes in power. Yeah. And when that party is, like, gone and there's another party, you know, coming up in power, like, you are not safe that they have a job, like, you know? Yeah. I mean, you might be lucky and, you know, if you're really, really good and they might keep you, like, but even if you're really good, that that, that still doesn't stand anything, like, you know what I mean? Like, that the party will bring the people that voted them and you know so they can have a job um it's it's not a good thing at all because you know you don't know what's gonna happen to you tomorrow like you know yeah people are extremely scared of their future it's just the reason why there are so many unemployed people because many people do get their jobs through nepotism through knowing someone of a higher power that can get them that job even if they are not skilled for it they still get it. Like, it's just extremely corrupt in this case. And many people face so much injustice. They don't feel safe in Albania. Like, they don't feel like they can rely on their bosses, their people, you know. Yeah, because you got people, like, I mean, who actually have degrees. Like, they would have, like, one, two degrees and they've done the whole college and the whole thing, like, you know what I mean? And they know what they what, what do and stuff, like, and then someone else who don't have a clue at all nearly like you know what I mean would get it yeah. and then they'd learn on the job obviously they get trained and stuff like you know but exactly. like, like it just takes too much time like you know what I mean many people with literally so much experience don't even have jobs because that is true yes how are and, they meant and, to get and, them and I mean it's, 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 it's funny because like 80% of the people actually have some sort of a degree, like... Yeah. And it's like, you know, like, they all go to college and they all do their master's and stuff, like, like, all of them do it, and then... They get a job that they're not actually qualified for, a lot like, of them. you could probably have, like, a doctor's degree and work as a waiter. Like, 
I'm being dead serious. Now, another reason is because of the police. They're just very like untrustworthy. A lot of people are connected to the police or know someone in the department. So if you were to make like a claim about a crime or like or something like that, then plenty of people will spin things around and manipulate your stories and be like, we actually can't help you because this person or that person. And so many people that do come here as refugees, they probably haven't gotten the help that they needed from the legal system in Albania or something like that. If they've been in danger or have faced any any crime, anything risky like that. Well, the police will come. Like, I mean, obviously, if you call them, they'll come yeah, straight away. But like, thing is like... If you're at a crime scene or whatever... If you're involved in some something. risky business... Yeah, and then if, if you know the police, you will get away very lightly. Oh, easily. Like, easily. you know, or it could be the other way where you can actually... You don't have to know him, you can just bribe him and then you're the yeah. one who's winning at the end, like, you know? Yeah, and you know, like, when people do talk about, like, police brutality and stuff like that, like, it really is the case in Albania where people... I mean, a couple of months ago, there was, like, uh, someone got killed extremely innocently just because they were not wearing a mask at, like, what was it, like, 10 p.m.? At some point in the night, it was literally an innocent person's life. Like, it, they were young as well, and they just got killed because they weren't wearing a mask. And I don't even know if the person is, like, arrested. No, or... he's arrested, yes. And oh, he's, yeah, okay. he's been doing jail for about seven years. Yeah, eight, uh, rightly uh, so, like. Loads. This news was literally extremely huge in Albania. People were protesting. People were so, so upset. And as they should be, of course. Like, we keep hearing about police brutality everywhere. And it's insane how people don't know their boundaries to their job. Like, just because in Albania, like, people really do take advantage of the power that they have. Especially the police. Like, they will arrest you for absolutely no reason. Like, it kind of functions the same way as it functions in America in some cases. Police will arrest you, of course. Like, I mean, but like, if you have someone who is higher in power, who works with the government and stuff, like, all you gotta do is just mention their name or ring someone and then they get onto the police chief or whatever they're called. Yeah, you're out. Done. Yeah. Okay, game over. Like, I mean, get, get on with your life. But it depends how you see it. Like, I mean, even when you go through borders and stuff, like, and I mean, if... If you need to move things in a oh, border yeah. and, you know, you don't want anyone to know about it, like, I mean... They'll let you pass. Like. They'll let you pass. I mean, no if, if you if you give them a nice uh, a nice brown envelope, let's say, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They'll Bribes. let you pass. Yeah, but they'll let you pass with whatever you have. They don't care. You can get away with anything if you bribe anyone in Albania. This is the truth, like. Like, you know, you can bribe doctors, you can bribe everything there's, there's there's no worries there yeah though. bribery and money will actually get you higher and higher up the ladder which many people don't have the money like so a lot of people do end up in risky business and have to leave the country because they're in danger and it is unsafe for them to be there many people like have been put in these situations by accident or their families either suffered or they've faced something traumatic in their life that they just had to leave because no one was helping them like the government was not capable of helping them in that situation another reason for leaving for a lot of people is blood feuds many people in ireland are unfamiliar with blood feuds i feel i mean i've never heard about anyone speak it which is fair enough because it doesn't happen here but in albania this is quite this common, has been going like, on like this you know yeah. the, the blood feud has been going on back to 500 years basically like like, whoever came up, I forget your man's name, like, I mean, who came up to rule, and it still gets passed on today. Like, maybe not as bad as it used to be on times before, but it's still there, and it's mostly 
on the north of of, of Albania, Albania would be would be a lot more uh, emphasized. Now I'm just going to go through the Google definition of a blood feud so that you get more of an idea of what we're talking about. A blood feud is a cycle of retaliatory violence with the relatives or associates of someone who has been killed or otherwise wronged or dishonored, seeking vengeance by killing or otherwise physically punishing the culprits or their relatives. So how this works in Albania is that, let's say if someone has dishonored, like it said, or killed a member of your family, then you can enter into a blood feud with them by killing another member of their family so it's basically like an eye for an eye and it's all it's only the men women and children are not involved in this women and children no i mean once you go 18 plus once you reach the age of 18 you're not safe no more you can lock yourself in in the house nobody's gonna come in in the house because that's not the rule there is people who since they've been 18 have locked themselves in the house and have never came out the house our parents talk a lot about this because They've known about it for ages, of course, but there are a lot of people in Kukas and in Skoder as well, which is another city in the north, where they are locked in the house, like so God said. Like, they cannot come out. The women and children of that household can come out. They will never be harmed. They will not be shot or anything like that. Like, because the men are locked in the house, they cannot work. They cannot do anything. They cannot leave the home at all because they will get killed if they leave it. So the women have to do everything. And, like, they're obviously raising children in that home. They have to work. Someone has to bring home the bread, like. And it's just the hardest life that you can imagine, honestly. If the feuding family sees the other person out of the house, they actually do have the right to kill you right there and then. The government cannot do anything about it. The police cannot do anything for you. You don't have any help in this. If you enter into a blood feud, it's between the families. Like, legally, like nothing can be done. Like the government and the, the police, they're, they're actually really are trying. They're re- they are trying yeah. to, like, put an end to this and just, you know, move on. Like, I mean, let, let's not do this no more. Like, But it's so hard because, like, I mean, you can't change a person's mind. Like, you know what I mean? As long as you're within, within, like, you know, you can be in your backyard. Not if they spot you, I'd say. If they spot you, I don't know. Like, but as long as within your walls, they're they're not allowed to touch you. Like, I mean, they can't. You know, that's that's not the rule. Uh, Mm -hmm. Once you leave your, your... Place Let's of say, residence. Place of residence, exactly, yeah. That, that's a different story, like, I mean, because of the feud, and the blood feud and stuff, like, I mean, there's kids out there, they've locked themselves in a house since they're 18, and they're probably, like, in their 30s, and they still never left the house, like, I mean. It's basically a prison in your own it, home. Exactly, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that, that is true. Like, I mean, I mean, if you do leave the house, you're not going to make it very far. Another issue is with electricity and uh, running water, even though people still actually pay them. When we were growing up, the power would cut out constantly. Like, there wasn't, like, electricity there all the time, like, I mean, and the water was the same. Uh, even though water, we could have running water all day long because like we have all the rivers and we have all the lakes and stuff like the water is actually very very fresh yeah we have the facilities to have running water it's just like what happens is the government like i mean because they use that for dams and energy and stuff like i mean they kind of tend to sell that energies maybe the countries the countries that are nearby they send they sell their electricity to them power let's say and we like let's say like little villages and countries up north end up with no power or water for a while you know 
Like, imagine using electricity and water as part of your corruption. I think that is so messed up. Growing up, we would have to light candles around the house and play cards with our grandparents. That's what we did when the power was off. And looking back, like, it was wholesome and humble. But, like, hello, like... Albania has so much water. Like, we have rivers and lakes We have everywhere. all the resources for it, really. Like, what we I mean? have amazing resources. But presidents and ministers and all that stuff, they are taking this energy and putting it somewhere else or selling it somewhere. Because in Kukas, the water is timed. Like, you get water twice a day. I, I don't know for how long. Maybe, like, two hours, maybe. Probably less. I'm not too sure. But I remember that every summer that I do go, you have to time your showers. If you go to a house in Kukas, people have buckets in their bathrooms. We have reservoirs up in rooftops. Yeah, of course. People have literally huge buckets in their bathroom. Anytime the water comes in, which people know their times, like it comes in the morning at like 5am where you have to wake up early to fill your buckets so that you have water for the rest of the day to wash your hands and do all your dishes and all that. And they also fill it up at one point in the evening. Yeah, I was yeah. I, when I was in holidays. I would obviously the house was all to myself. Like I mean, I'd leave the tap open so when the water is coming, the tap makes so much noise, you know. Yeah. And like I'd wake up like at five five a.m. fill up the buckets so I can have like water for later on during the day, and I can shower and all that. Like you know, which yeah. is terrible. Like it's these kind of conditions that people do move out for. Like in Tirana, this does not apply, okay? Because Tirana is obviously rich. So they do have running water constantly and they do pay for for that. But like in Kukas, like we literally have a lake right there and then. Like we, and like we have river and stuff. We should be able to have running water. Just the river alone. Yeah. I mean, you can actually drink the river, river water. Oh, completely. That, people like, do that all I have, time. I have like, done that all the time. Same. Like, you know, it's just actually it's so fresh, clean. Like, it's just mind boggling. Like if you do decide to like shower at a time where there is no water, you have to shower with a jug. Like, you fill your jug, and then you pour it all over yourself. Like. That's terrible. Like, it's, it's just the worst conditions ever. Now, there are houses that do have water, but it depends on your class. You know what I mean? Like, it's quite classist of a society. If you are working for the council and stuff like that, you will have running water in your house, most likely. When we do go back there, of course, we're only going there on holidays, so we do have family that do have running water and stuff, but... We do have family that also don't have running water all the time. Yeah, I used to like, when, when I was in holidays, I used to go and get a shower to my aunt because yeah. like, you know, they're in a bit of, let's say, a better position, let's say, over there. And yeah, she had water all the time. So I was going to get showers over yeah, there. Yeah, all the facilities yeah. that a normal household should have. Like now with electricity, that doesn't really apply anymore. I think most households do have it unless it's like the countryside, then it's difficult to get like wires and connections and all that the only issue now is the water uh, no it's just the government just cuts out the power the power yeah they're honestly just the worst like this is a huge reason as to why people do move because like people pay for their water and electricity yet they don't get us what is that about like that is so corrupt and literally no one can do anything about us now i'm going to get into the legal side of immigration so when immigrants come into ireland first especially illegal immigrants they have to register themselves into the system, which means like you have to go to the IPO, which is the International Protection Office, where they kind of set you up with solicitors and all that. The steps that refugees do take to get permission to stay in Ireland and eventually get citizenship, we'll say, at first they have to register themselves as refugees or asylum seekers. They have to go through that process 
with the law and stuff like that. And if that does not get granted for them, then you move on to the next stage, which is subsidiary protection. So if you do not qualify to be a refugee, but you are at risk of serious harm if you're like sent back home, then you may be given a status that is called subsidiary protection. And with this, you're allowed to stay in Ireland and be given many of the same rights as an Irish citizen, basically. Now, if both of these are not granted for you, then your last option is permission to remain, where you basically get permission to stay in Ireland if you have worked or if you've contributed to the country in some way, paid taxes or anything like that. If none of these work, then you will get deported. And how deportation works in Ireland is sometimes I'm not sure if this always happens really but they can give you like a compensation of like 600 euro for example for you to take back home to your country and with this money they potentially think that you can start a business which how is 600 euro enough to start a business like I know Albania isn't rich like it's pretty poor it's just like as a form of conversation for them being like sorry we couldn't let you in but here you go for many people that are, are at risk this is obviously not enough money to get them to be stable back in their own country. Now, this entire process is extremely tedious, as we've known from our family, friends, and stuff like that, that have had to go through it. It's a lot of hours with a solicitor and getting evidence and like all of that stuff, okay? Because many people do want to stay in the country and they do want a chance at a good life here. They will go through it all, of course. And it can take years until you can get a permission to remain or a citizenship, like if you're lucky. With many of the immigrants that do come here, a lot of them have to live in direct provision, as we know. And now we're gonna get into that segment of the story. And at first we're gonna start with a few facts on direct provision, in case anyone doesn't know. Until 2018, anyone who lived in direct provision had no right to work in Ireland at all. So like people could have been here for years and years and they probably worked illegally many of them do of course because they don't have any other any other choice and the money that direct provision gives you is certainly not enough it's 38 euro 80 cent per week for an adult and 29 euro 80 cent for children per week this is not a lot at all like for a job seeker the minimum you get is 91 euro 90. They're immediately at a very low point. You can't do anything with this money. Like you cannot save anything. You can't do your weekly food shop because even though like they do cook a direct provision, like the food is not great there. So many people do eat out, which is totally normal for them to do that. So like, what can you do with this money? 40 euro a week? That's inexcusable. Like Ireland is a rich country. They can afford to put it up a few more euros, you know? It is now time for our interview of the week segment. Now, I know this is really early on to do the segment, but it's because this entire episode kind of revolves around the interview because there's a lot said and a lot of issues to discuss on direct provision. Now, my interviewee is someone who has lived in direct provision for many years and are no longer living there, thankfully. So this week's interview goes like this. I came to Ireland with my husband by plane. It took six years for me to get permission to remain in Ireland. I have yet to gain citizenship in Ireland. I must wait another three years. When I first arrived, I was not allowed to work here because I had no PPS number, so I could not find any jobs. I had a huge fear of not being able to get permission to stay here and that I might get deported. A few years ago, people had no idea what direct provision was. 
Sometimes when people would ask me where I was living and I would say I'm living in a hostel for refugees, they did not know what that was. Irish people thought immigrants were living in houses, not in hostels. Personally, I had no issues with management in the hostels, but there are people that had problems and management would see them as troublemakers. If you cause problems all the time, start shouting and start asking for things by shouting or want things immediately, the managers, deputy managers or workers would look at you differently. The managers were not always helpful. This varied. There were times where they could not help you and did not want to help you. It depended on the type of things you needed help with. If you wanted to change rooms, for example, many times they would not help you and would refuse to change your room. When I was unhappy with my living conditions, they did not allow me to change my room. I stayed at a hotel for six months and the conditions were scandalous. They were terrible. The building was very old, dirty and cockroaches would fall from the ceiling. It was difficult to enter the room, let alone live in it. This was a private hotel and the owner did not want to spend money on renovations. The staff were not able to do much for us. In the two places that I've stayed in, there were cooks that cooked for us. In one of the hotels, we had a small kitchen where we could cook for ourselves, but the kitchen only had one oven. Imagine trying to cook when there are a hundred other people there. I stayed in family hotels and it was more than normal for a family of four to stay in one room, for example. Both parents and their two kids or a mother and her three children. No one wanted to live in these conditions, but they had no other choice. They tried to adapt. In the last two or three years, donations and help from outside the hostel started coming in because more and more people were becoming aware of direct provision and the type of living conditions in these hostels. I hope that this change that the government is claiming to make in the future will actually happen for the good of the people in these centres. I've never visited Albania since I came here, but hopefully in the future. It has been eight years now. At first, I was hoping that Ireland would be different, and not the country that it is. I was thinking the houses would be beautiful and big, but I was really surprised when I saw the houses here. I am a little disappointed here. First of all, I think it's extremely normal for her to be disappointed in Ireland. Like, she's been through it. From all of these legal issues and all of these experiences that she's had, like, she's been disappointed by the system. The conditions that she was living in are ridiculous. Having cockroaches fall from your ceiling, whoever the owner of that place was, like, that's inhumane. That's not a living place. And it's also the fact that, you know, she hasn't been at home in, like, eight years. Yeah. And, like, you know, she misses her family and stuff, and, of course, she'd be disappointed. Like, that would be hard not being able to see, let's say, your mother, your dad, your sister, brother, relatives, and the whole lot. Like, yeah, I think it definitely has an effect on you psychologically which many people talk about direct provision being extremely unhealthy for people's mental health and stuff like that. The process of gaining citizenship or anything like that, like it takes so long that people do get lonely and upset and disappointed and stuff like that. They haven't gotten to see their loved ones or hug people that they know. Like you're moving into a different country, like you don't know many people. And like friends aren't always enough. But I feel like the government would probably do this on purpose too. They leave him there for so long so that they can get annoyed and they, they can get like bored to the point where they're like, all right, I can't handle it no more. I'm going to go back 
to my own country myself so that way the government doesn't really have to pay anything for them doesn't have to pay for the deportation and stuff you know life and direct provision is a constant wait the main issue the main goal for you there is your legal work and your papers over that other than that what are you going to do because you don't have any rights so you are essentially just bored in conditions that are terrible of course you're going to want to leave even if you're unsafe people in Albania like they do have fine living conditions at home some of them and they come here to a worse place than they moved from like that's not what Ireland is Ireland is great so why can't you just give these people a little bit more comfort and direct provision places I've had like friends that have actually like you know stayed in them I've had loads of friends that stayed over there I've kind of been in there a few times as well like with them and it is not really a nice place at all like I don't think it's a nice place I mean you know there's you're dealing with all different people and stuff like and then there's people in there that are actually very nice and there's people out there that you know you just can't stand like you know and the, the energy is just it's just not right and yes the conditions are are not really not really the best at all. I mean, food wise, they give you food over there, but it's not really the nicest. I mean, the friends that I had, they actually never they never stayed in there. They only yeah. went in there to actually sleep. Yeah, obviously, you're sharing a room with someone. Let's say if you just came in and you're like, right, they're giving you a room, and you're sharing a room with a complete stranger. I mean, that has happened so many times for so many different people. Like, you don't go in a room. Like, there's not, like, a room where, like, you know, oh, this is your own room, you're on your own, and that's it. A lot of the rooms, you might be sharing the same room with, like, two or three people in one room. Yeah, and it's also people at, like, different ages. Like, a 20-year-old will be put in with, like, a 40-year-old. Like, what friendship, like, I'm not being ageist or anything like that, like, but, like, what friendship are they going to have, you know? It's really strange, like, like I used to, like, see so-called friends and stuff, and they would just be in coffee shops all the time in town. All the time. I never, I, literally, any time I'd be in town, I was like, I'm definitely going to see someone I know, and it would be his friends that were in like, direct provision. Yeah, because, They never went home. What yeah, are they going to do there? They didn't like? really, even though, like, I mean, uh, like, they didn't really have money at the very start, then they got, like, little jobs and stuff, like, I mean, just to keep yeah. them going, like, and, but, like, they, would, they were never, they were never in there, like, I mean, they were all constantly out, because, like, what do you do in there? You know, there's nothing to do. We go in coffee shop. They they would have a coffee and sit there for about three hours just to kill some time because they couldn't stand going go, going in in their places in their rooms. You know. Yeah, I mean, for like children in direct provision, we'll say that like they do create activities for them and things to do for them, of course. But for young adults, because so called friends are like in their twenties, of course. Like, how are you going to keep them occupied if it's not with a job? You know, how are they? What What are you going to do to appeal to that? to that generation and like plenty of them like they were literally out in the streets just like socializing and stuff like that which is totally fine but they came here for more like came here to create a life and not not, not to get to get the place where it was worse tougher. yeah yeah worse exactly and they just you know it affects you mentally too like i mean i could see that in them as well like i mean they yeah. weren't like there, there was days where they were like all right i just don't want to talk because like you know just it kills you like i mean it just it brings you this sadness i'm like right i left home for a better place but i actually end up in a, a worse place and this mentally psychologically that would be a lot on you you know many of the people that do move like some of them do have some skill or have done some degree or some job in albania that they're skilled at and you're staying in direct provision for three to six, eight years, however long, you lose those skills. You don't work in a job that you used to work 
in in Albania. You know, you don't you don't get that kind of job. Like you start from the bottom up, and you lose the skills that you were once qualified for. It lowers your self esteem, your confidence. You know, it's just extremely unhealthy and psychologically affects these people. Because we do live here as Albanian immigrants, we do get to know plenty of Albanians around here. Sogal definitely more than me and does know more Albanians than I do in Quirk. Plenty of his friends have been in direct provision, like we said before, and many have gotten deported as well. Let's say like you're making like really good friends here in Quirk and stuff and you are a citizen but they aren't. Once they do get deported, like that's extremely upsetting and sad you know you hope that they will stay here and you hope that they will have a life here and you will get to be great friends and in the end they're just not there anymore even though they're working and there was actually some of them that were working and they're working let's say pretty decent jobs like you know and they're not allowed to work so think about if you're in direct provision and you're waking up let's say every morning let's say at seven o'clock and you're going out somewhere it kind of creates a bit of suspicions because people who are in direct provision with managers or supervisors or whatever they keep an eye on these things like you know and then they might get in touch with immigration control and say all right look like this person waking up like for the last two three weeks at seven in the morning you know and there has been cases where i know very well where the immigration control has walked into this person's place of work and then they've taken him out of there and saying you are not allowed to work go home and that, that that's not a nice place you know how how do you how do you do that i mean you're trying to make a living for yourself you get dragged out saying you can't work with the legal system that i mentioned earlier it is amazing if you can get a job here because that will give you a good reputation to the IPO. The IPO will be like, okay, they're working, they're paying taxes, they're doing all these things, like they're trying to integrate and they're giving something to Ireland in a way. So they can see that as a really good thing and they will want a recommendation from your workplace and the people around you that kind of hype you up, we'll say. I mean, exactly, as you said, as long as you're paying taxes... You should not be moved from job from job or get deported because you know yeah. what it is? You're paying paying your tax to the country too, you know, to the government. Yeah, but this in a way like is the fault of the direct provision managers. Having a job does stabilize you for the future. Like solicitors will be like, give us a recommendation so that we can get you permission to remain in Ireland. If let's say direct provision people, managers are interrupting you in this process then you will immediately get deported because they'll report you to immigration control then your job won't count for nothing like it's insane to stop people from working when they're doing this so that their documents can be in order and so that they can be allowed in this country for the future and you're trying to do this in all like sort of a sneaky way so nobody nobody gonna sees it nobody nobody hears about it otherwise everything is gonna be ruined and it's just the stress of it i mean imagine trying to like li- live and hiding this out all the time you know it's it's not easy and i know many friends that have actually have been here for a while and maybe have been here for like two three four years and they had good jobs and stuff and next thing you know they just came got them and then deport them it's funny because like the last few years there's been so many protests for direct provisions of an irish people they're actually like just getting a bit of knowledge about it now and seeing how what people are going through and how the system works and how hard it is to actually live in these environments this is so strange to us because we've known about this ever since we moved to ireland basically like okay we moved here perfectly legally 
but we had plenty of family friends that were here illegally and they were going through this entire process which is extremely hard and a huge struggle i feel like you suffer a lot you know mentally and it's so stressful like people have no idea unless they've been through it honestly it was insane for me to hear my friends talk about it at this age in our like early 20s when i was like what like this has been an issue for ages like how have you not known about this because i assumed that because i knew it i was like oh yeah i think other people know about this too like i just assumed that maybe they did and i kind of only realized this like now that people actually had no clue and we were so aware of it at a very young age and i never talked about it with people because i was like well i know that they can't relate to it because of course like most of my friends are irish you know i suppose you know like i mean if you can't you know when you don't know about it is because you never if you don't move around and stuff and you don't listen talk talk to other people like then you never know like i mean yeah. if it don't happen to you or to one of your like relatives or friends or whatever like you're never gonna know and of that's course. why in ireland like i mean like people don't surround really, themselves yeah. with irish like, people like i don't think like i i think i'm the only foreign one in my friend group or maybe like there's probably like two of us i think so i feel like any information they're gonna get is probably gonna be from me well like irish people i mean they can travel anywhere in the world and they don't have to stay in their of provisions course, yeah so like that's why you never know like you know in these places yeah. and their provision places they're I think they're just terrible. They're, they're, they're just the conditions are very poor, really poor, like, you know? Now, we are well aware that in our past interviews, a lot of the immigrants that I've interviewed have said that direct provision is helpful. Now, none of these people had lived in direct provision, so of course they didn't have much knowledge. It's just what they gained from their friends and stuff like that. And we're not trying to be all negative, like... There are good aspects to direct provision, such as learning the language. It's so easy for you to learn English there because you're stuck with other foreign people that are living there. So you've no other choice but to speak English. And that's amazing. Like, I always say this, I know, but it's great to learn the language because it puts you so far ahead from other people. You do get help as well over there with food and clothing and stuff like that. But that has only been in the most recent years, just like my interviewee mentioned in this interview i definitely think that the cons absolutely outweigh the pros like there's not many pros except those of direct provision and that's surface level like people have to live here for years and years it's not a two-month kind of thing i don't think you should take that long like i mean to, to live here for so long to live like five years it is too much yeah. it is too much like i mean you're living in, the, in, in that place for two years and not actually getting your own house or just maybe like if you get a job you give the person the opportunity to maybe rent a house and create their own life but like five years stuck in the place uh, I like, think it's like you said like you're like the government probably does do it on purpose like what are the reason is there for it for the legal system to go on this long for you whether, to not get yeah, any I mean, rights deport him within a year if that's the case, yeah. but like, don't leave them five years and then in the end, deport them at five years. Yeah, but they know that people will power through. Like, they will go through the struggle and go through the suffering to get their rights and stuff like that. That is true. It's, yeah. it's just, it's obviously such an unfair system. Like, we don't know the explanation for it. And I know that, of course, Ireland has promised to change this in 2024. Why has it taken this long? This has been ongoing for what? Like, by 2024, it'll be 
24 years, won't it? Because it started like 1999, I'm sure. Mm. Why has it taken this long? Like, and why have they hidden this from the public? Why did the public only know about this in the most recent years? So we have finally arrived to the end of the season. Who knows if it's the end of the podcast, though? We might continue it. We never know. I mean, we love talking about this stuff. We have thoroughly enjoyed opening up, even though it's been difficult at times. We've learned so much and it's been amazing having this as an outlet and a place where we can let our opinions and thoughts about these legal issues. And many of my friends have been like, oh my goodness, I've known you for this long and I didn't know this stuff about you. Like, how did I not ask questions? How did I not wonder? And it's, I I completely understand it. Like, I feel like I also haven't been able to open up because... I didn't know how people would react and stuff, but it has been genuinely such a positive experience and I couldn't be happier with how this has gone. And if it wasn't for this project, which one of my friends told me the other day, she was like, if it wasn't for the project, you would have never been able to do this. And it's so true. Like, it's something that I've loved doing and thank goodness for my final year in digital humanities, honestly, because it's been truly an amazing experience. I don't want to get cringe or sappiness for that, but... I've absolutely loved it and I'm so thankful for my brother here who has joined me along the way and has been sharing his stories and his opinions as part of the millennial generation whereas I'm quite the Gen Z. Thank you so much to you, Sogal. No problem, appreciate it. I mean, appreciate you, you know, having talked to me and be. it wasn't even, it wasn't easy actually to kind of speak in certain things like, you know, because mm-hmm. like some things are just not, not as pretty like and like you're, you're saying this to the world and which is in a way kind of educating people because people don't know but like it didn't come easy to talk about it, all these issues because when you hear them like there's so many things that are not right let's say on the place you lived or in the country you live like you know yeah. it just doesn't come easy because you always want the best for your own place and for your own country and um, yeah a lot of people are like oh being so gorgeous and pretty and we should go there and i'm like I know, but like, there's a lot of things that go behind the scenes that are not pretty. And I can't believe that we've shared them, honestly. Like a lot of my cousins were like, don't taint us too much, you know? And I'm like, it's not taint. Like, I think people need to know what's going on in places of the world. And because Ireland has so many Albanian refugees here, who knows, you might encounter one in the future. Like, who knows? And I think you should know of the struggles that they're going through and of what they have to face living in Ireland as a refugee. Like, not even just Albanian, like, anyone as a refugee has to go through so, so much. Coming to the end, we do want to say that with each topic that we've talked about, with each episode and theme, there's always more, you know? Like, we haven't been able to tell a full story. Like, I don't think we could say everything in an hour or in 40 minutes. Like, not give too much and not to, not to be so harsh and everything, you know? Yeah, I mean, we don't... We also don't want to expose our private lives too much because this is obviously going on the internet and there is more to every situation that we've talked about. We don't want you to kind of get the idea that you know us extremely well because there's more to us than just our immigration and just this experience. We're not just this. Like, this is not define us and stuff like that. Like, there's always plenty of things that are too hard for us to talk about that we cannot talk about on the podcast so we chose to not share it but i'm not saying that we've shared surface level stuff we definitely haven't we've gone as deep as we can in this so i really hope that you have enjoyed our stories and that you've learned something and maybe opened up your mind i think that's kind of what my goal is here to kind of not allow people to be ignorant or to just open up your mind a little bit to other cultures and stuff like that so with that said for the last time thank you so much for listening 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, please head over to our Instagram, at 2integrated. It has been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate all the good comments you sent to us and to all of those who have been listening to us and giving us feedback. We appreciate you very much. Thank you.